Okay, so we're talking about empowering the poor, uh, and uh, we're going to pray, and then we'll jump into the Word. Lord, thank you for uh, an opportunity just to open our hearts to you in worship this morning, uh, to open our hearts to your Word. Thank you that that uh, you said if those that hunger and thirst for you, thirst for the righteousness of God, which is Jesus, uh, when we hunger and thirst for you, we're filled by you. And so, Lord, we're just coming to you this morning and say, we're hungry for you, Jesus. We're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. We're thirsty for I just had this sense. Maybe you're here. Maybe, maybe you've told, been told by someone, maybe just by yourself, maybe by the enemy, that you're not enough. That you're not enough. I want to encourage you that you are enough not because of how good you are or who you are, but because of Jesus. You know, if someone's told you you're not enough, Jesus is telling you, you are enough. If you've asked him to be in your life, you are enough. Okay, so uh, uh, I, I'm talking about empowering the poor. So I Googled this week uh, the phrase, I'm so broke. <laughs> Anybody ever feel broke before? You just didn't have <laughs> two nickels to rub together. Uh, so I... I I punched in the Google, I'm so broke, and this is what it came up with. Uh, it said, I, I'm so broke, I can't even afford a trip down memory lane. <laughs> Anybody feel like that? Uh, I'm so broke, I can't even pay attention. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe you didn't eat this morning, and you're, maybe you didn't get your coffee yet or something, or whatever. Uh, here's one. Uh, you might say, oh, Pastor Greg, I'm so broke, I have to fart just to get a cent in my pocket. <laughs> Did we just say that in church? Yes, we did. <laughs> Maybe you feel like that. <laughs> so, but poverty is relative. I think uh, for some of us, we live in North America, uh, and we, we think, you know, when we think of poverty, we might have a different perspective than other people in other parts of the world, in developing countries. And uh, we're generally, we're very wealthy people, but but we can also experience need in our lives. And uh, uh, I think uh, for us, one, one of the things that might differentiate uh, uh, our type of poverty compared to some other people's type of poverty, you know, we have to go on our $500 phone to check our bank balance, right, to see if we're, if we're broke or not. And some people, they're like, what? I don't even have a phone, right? So... Uh, in many developing countries, they'd never dream of having things that we just take for granted, like running water, uh, uh, health care, um, a vehicle, a cell phone. You know, there's some things like that. Um, I was watching a documentary a few years ago, and they were talking about refugees that had escaped from the country of Syria. And they left everything. These families left Everything they had, they left their homes, they left their families, their friends, all their stuff. They just escaped with their lives. And they're trapped now in refugee camps, some of them in Greece, some of them in Turkey, uh, in countries where they're just looking for, for places that will be even just accepting of them. And they live in these camps. And I remember uh, the person who is doing the documentary making a statement that said the people that are born in the kids that are born in these refugee camps are going to live their whole lives in these camps 
and they'll die here one day. And I just thought, oh, I just felt like, I felt the hopelessness, you know, of that situation. And I just, I remember just weeping when I heard that. That was going to be their whole life, living in a camp. And, uh, and I said, Lord, that, we've got to do something. And he said, that is a place for the church. That's a place for life to come. That's a place for people to encounter me. And uh, so that's what I want to talk to you about, how poverty impacts people around the world. It impacts people down the street from us. It might be impacting you. And how we can empower people who are feeling desperately needy. Now, Jesus uh, was talking to uh, and sharing a parable, sharing a story. And he shared a story about how one day he would be talking to righteous people. And uh, he said to them, uh, you know, one day I was hungry and you fed me. And one day I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And one day I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the people that he was talking to said, what? When did we ever do that for you? We don't remember doing that for you. you know, we never did that for you. And we're, in fact, we're pretty sure we never did that. We are giving us credit for something we never did. And, uh, and uh, then Jesus replied in Matthew 25, verse 40. He said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. <laughs> That's what he said. Whatever you did for those in need, you did it for me. You know, when you use what you have, when you use what you have to help someone in need, Jesus said, you're ministering to me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a powerful thought to think uh, when you've cared for somebody, when you visited someone, when you fed someone, it wasn't that person only that was receiving that gift of your love, of your kindness, but it was Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs nineteen seventeen, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're giving God alone. That means you're joining him on his mission. You're doing what touches his heart. Uh, in John, 1 John 3, uh, John wrote, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. <laughs> so that's what he said. Let's not just say we love someone. Let's do something to show we love someone. You know, we see poverty, don't we? We see when we walk down the street, when we walk downtown, we see poverty. When, when we talk to our, our friends, our neighbors, we hear about needs that are in people's lives. When we watch the news, we see poverty. When we travel the world, we see poverty. So what do we do? Sorry, I'm kind of fumbling with my papers. I got it clipped on here so it doesn't blow away. So just bear with me, okay? I want to take a few minutes today just to talk about what is poverty. What is poverty? Well, poverty would be, most people would define poverty as a lack of something material, right? We lack some resources. We lack some money. We lack some food. We lack... Uh, a house, you know, we don't have adequate housing, we don't have 
uh, clean water or good health care, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe your teenage teenager saying poverty is I don't have a have a new iPhone. You know, they're Dad, I need an iPhone. I need it, I need it, I need it. <laughs> Parents never heard that story before, right? Uh, maybe uh, wives, you heard your car uh, husband say, Oh, honey, I need that car with the cool wheels on it. But look at that, look at the rims on that car. I just need that car. You know, and we and we can feel poor by some of those lacking material things. Well, the World Bank did a survey of over 60,000 people who are in need in developing countries. So these are people that were poor. And uh, these people define poverty as a mindset. Poverty is a mindset. So think about that. That people that are poor felt, they felt shame. They felt embarrassed about their situation. That, that was the mindset. They felt worthless. They felt like they weren't enough. You know, their voice wasn't valuable. They're, they weren't valuable as people because they, they didn't have enough. They felt fear or humiliation, hopelessness. You know, people that are in poverty are feeling trapped. <laughs> they're feeling like they're in lack. And, uh, and they're being held back. That's often how... People who are experiencing poverty uh, express uh, their feelings. Now, um, I'd like to just challenge us a little bit that when we encounter people that are, are encountering need in their lives, let's just not give them what they need to get through the day, but let's help people to get free of the mindset that they are trapped in, right? If they're trapped in a mindset of shame or helplessness or worthlessness, uh, you know, giving them some change <laughs> can maybe help them get, get something to eat, but it's not going to release them from the mindset of poverty that they're trapped in. And I want to encourage us. We can give in a way to people that helps them and not hurt them, okay? Now, I want to give you an example. You know, a few years ago, I took a team to Thailand from the church here, and, and we had great intentions. We were going to help people. We wanted to bless people, and and uh, and uh, we, we were given a bunch of toys to give to kids. Everybody seemed to want to give us toys for kids when we're going to Thailand. Here, take all these toys with you. So we packed our suitcase full of toys and and uh, some clothes and a few things like that for kids. But people had this intention of helping people who they perceived as being poor, right? And so when we were there, we were giving all these things to the kids and everything. But as we were there, we realized the people in Thailand actually make nice toys, way nicer toys than we were bringing them. They make nice clothes, way, way nicer stuff then we were bringing them, they had, the, they had the, the resources, they had the people there. And so what we were actually doing was we're undermining people that were actually there running businesses and, and doing things to serve people when we could have just come along and helped, right? And we, we could have maybe changed some mindsets. We could have maybe uh, helped people, encouraged people, and those kinds of things. Now, when my children were growing up, we didn't always have all the things that they 
they needed. We, we couldn't give them everything they needed. They wanted to go in sports and, and uh, all the kinds of stuff. And we couldn't pay for it all. We, didn't, we couldn't afford it. So what we told our kids is, if you want to go in that, you got to save up your own money. you got to get some odd jobs. And, and you got to pay your own way. And uh, I want you to know, sometimes I was sitting in the bleachers and I could hear parents talking about my kids. Their dad makes them pay their own registration. Their dad makes them buy their own equipment. I, I could hear. They didn't know I was their dad, right? They, thought they were just talking amongst each other. And I can remember kind of slinking down and feeling ashamed that my kids paid their own way. But my kids never felt embarrassed about that. My kids were, my kids were proud to do it. And you know what? My kids still pay their own way. My kids never come to ask me for money so that I can help them get what they want. They're, they are, make their own way. They're generous people. They're resourceful people. And so what we need to do is help people to change their mindset. We can have good intentions, but sometimes we can hurt more than we can help. Anybody ever experience something like that in your own life? When Carla and I were church planting when we were new in ministry and... Uh, uh, we were serving the Lord in smaller community in Saskatchewan, and we met a lady there who was a single mom, and she had three kids. Great lady. She was a wonderful lady. Her name was Janine, and uh, she had three really, really awesome kids. Her kids uh, gave their lives to Jesus in a kids' club that we were doing, and so we were getting to be friends with this family, and we saw this lady was a single mom, and we thought, we want to do something to show her we care about her. So we, we collected a whole bunch of food, boxes of food, and one day we knocked on her apartment door. She was our neighbor, upstairs neighbor, and we knocked on the door, and we were so proud of ourselves. We were going to give her all this food, and she looked at us, and she just looked horrified. She looked horrified because what we thought we were doing is loving her, but what we were really doing was we were embarrassing her in front of her kids. We were saying, you know what? You're not enough, and so we're going to be enough for you, right? You can't provide for your kids, so we're going to provide for your kids for you. I'll tell you, that was a lesson for me that day. That was a lesson for me that day, that sometimes people, they don't need our handout. What they need is to us to help them change their mindsets and this woman didn't even think she was poor. <laughs> and we, what we needed to do is just love on her <laughs> and just show her we cared about her. Now, the root of all poverty uh, is brokenness. All of us are broken. It's not just people that are in need of material things that are broken. All of us are broken. All of us have some forms of poverty in our lives. Uh, we have broken relationship with God. It's a spiritual poverty. We have broken relationship with ourselves. We can have low self-esteem and low self-respect. We can have uh, uh, poverty in our relationships with others. Brokenness creates in us need, emotional need, spiritual need, physical need, relational need. You know, Jesus uh, traveled into Nazareth one day and he went to the temple. And uh, he uh, unrolled the scroll when he was in the temple and he read the scripture 
from Isaiah that says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. <laughs> he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, all of us are broken, and the answer for brokenness is not stuff. Jesus said the answer for our brokenness is him, right? He said he came to proclaim good news to the poor. He came to bring freedom for the captives. He came to bring sight to the blind. He came to set the oppressed free. Sometimes we can think we're the answer, but it's Jesus that's the answer. And in fact, after Jesus read these words, he, the, the Bible says he sat down and he said to everybody, today the words of the scripture have been fulfilled in your hearing. And he was talking about that I am the answer. I'm the answer. It's Jesus that saves. It's Jesus that heals. It's Jesus that sets us free. So when we see poverty, when we see people in need, when we, when we encounter needs, how do we address problems? I don't want to talk about this today where we want to help, not hurt. How do we do it? And I want to talk about three things that we can do as believers. And I want to release you. I want to empower you to be people that empower others, okay? So uh, the first thing is to remember to serve others, not to save others. First of all, we're called to serve others, not to save others. It can be insulting and dangerous to think that we are someone's answer. Well, we all know, we just read the scripture, that it's not us that's the answer. It's Jesus the answer. Jesus will use you to bring the answer to people. You'll bring the answer to a situation. It'll, he'll use you to bring hope to someone that feels hopeless. But he is the one that does it. So how does Jesus want us to serve? And I want to encourage you, we do this in our church, is what we do is we have a relief ministry or a mercy ministry where we can immediately help people. We can immediately help somebody that's in a crisis. So people don't have food. Maybe, they, maybe they, something uh, tragic happens in their life and they have a need. Well, the church wants to help. We want to be able to Bring relief. Get, we, it's not the answer to their life, but we're not going to answer all the problems in your life. But we're going to give you something to eat. We're going to make sure you're warm tonight. We're going to make sure you have a place to sleep tonight or whatever it is. And that's relief. And then the other side of that is restoration. And that's long-term relationship. And there's not a program for that. That's called love. That's called loving people. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be there for people. When, when, when tragedy strikes, when difficult situations strike, when, when need comes into someone's life, it might not have been planned. It might have just come suddenly, just like the good Samaritan encountered this man who was beaten on the road. The man didn't plan to be beaten. But the good Samaritan came with some relief. He just poured in the oil. He poured on some medicine, right? He didn't say, you know, I'm going to charge you for this later. He didn't say, how did you get yourself in this situation? No, he just gave him what he needed. He provided some relief. But then after that, he said, I'm going to come back 
and I'm going to help you to be restored. I'm going to love you. I'm going to walk with you until you get back on your feet. And as believers, as the church, that's where we can be different, right? We're not the news channel. We're not a TV show that we've got to get something done in a hurry. No, people need you and I to walk with them in a restorative way sometimes. It takes love. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment on a daily basis. I want to encourage you, when you give, when you give your resources at Gateway, when you tithe, uh, when we invite guests, like we had the Hope for Women uh, Pregnancy Center here a number of months ago, and, and we took an offering for Hope for Women, that's a place where we can sow into a ministry in our community that's loving people, right? They're walking with them day by day. So I'm encouraging you, when you don't know where to give, when you don't know what to do, this is a safe place to give, okay? This is a safe place. People are being helped and people's lives are being restored, Right now, we're doing a project where we're loving teachers with Thank a Teacher. And we've been talking about it in our services for the last three or four weeks. And a few, I think maybe a couple thousand dollars have come in. We want to help 40 teachers. We want to love on 40 teachers. And uh, this is not a waste of resources. This is a way that we can bring hope to people right now that are feeling hopeless in our community. We can just love on them. Do they have material needs? You know, probably not. But do they feel trapped? Do they feel hopelessness? I think they do. And this is a time where the church can offer some hope. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't given and you thought, oh, I wonder if I should, I wonder if that's worthwhile to get behind. I want to encourage you, don't drive out of the parking lot today if you haven't haven't uh, given and you want to. Okay, the second thing uh, that we can do is relate with people and not rescue people. Relate with people, not rescue people. So we're called to uh, serve others, not save others, and then we're called to relate with people, not rescue people. To get to know people. And that's part of our strategy with Thank a Teachers. We want to get to know some people. We want to care for them. We want to uh, love them. Um, I want to encourage you this, that people that are in need are not projects. They're not projects that we help. They're people that we love, right? Can you imagine if, you know, tomorrow tragedy struck my family and I thought you were taking me on as a project. Oh, we got we to gotta do something for Pastor Craig. We better send him something. He's got to be our project. I don't want to be your project. But I want to be a recipient of your love when time comes. And there will be times when I will be in need. And I, I have been in need. And I've received your love. And so that's what I'm talking about. That people aren't projects. Right? People are people that we love. You know, about uh, a couple of months ago, a friend of mine named Ray, who came to Gateway Church here when he was in town, he's a homeless guy that kind of drifted all over the province, but 
he did spend time in Prince George, and he would come to Gateway when he was here. And uh, I got to be friends with him over the last 15 years. But he got prostate cancer. And about a month ago, ended up in hospice care. And because of COVID restrictions, he put me down as the only person, because only one person could go in, as the only person that could go and visit him. So I was spending time with him, and I'd take him out and drive him around. We'd go get ice cream and, and just, just get him out of the place, right? Because he was struggling. He wanted to smoke his cigarettes and... Uh, he wanted to smoke in my Jeep, and I wouldn't let him. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we did all kinds of crazy things, you know, over the last uh, number of weeks. And uh, I remember going into the hospice one day, and they said, thank you so much for visiting Ray. <laughs> and I said to them, don't thank me. I love Ray. I, I love him. I, I really did. At that point, I realized I was not going to visit Ray because he was a project for me. I was going there because I truly cared about this guy that could give me nothing, really. And one day, when he asked to smoke, I said, we'll go and park in my front of my house, and you can sit in my driveway. I'll get the lawn chair. And so we were sitting on the driveway, and he was smoking away. It's an airplane flying by. And while we were sitting there, he said to me, Pastor Greg, could I go in your house? <laughs> and I realized I'd never invited Ray into my house ever in the 15 years I knew him. And I said, I would love it if you came in my house. So I invited him in my house, and he visited us for a few minutes. And, you know, we had coffee, and we told stories, and we laughed. In fact, now, when my family talks about Ray... We laugh because he just brought us joy, right? One day, my grandkids were over. So I said, come and visit my grandkids. Come and meet my grandkids. And my grandkids love Ray. In fact, every time they come over, they ask me about Ray now. And uh, Ray died about a week and a half ago. He had no family, no friends. He had me. That was it. <laughs> Ray was not my project. Ray was my friend. <laughs> people are people. <laughs> right? They're not, they're not a project for us to rescue. Number three. Let's remember to reach out, not reach down. Reach out, not reach down. Reach out because you care, right? People are people, they're, they're our brothers and sisters, right? We reach out to them. Now, we've divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. But the truth is, we're both. That's a quote by Brene Brown. We're divided, we've divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. The truth is, we're both. And I think you heard it in my story about Ray. I realized I enjoyed Ray's friendship. 
He deposited something into my family, into my grandkids. You know, there was some joy. They, they remember him with a joy. And uh, I want to just encourage us that as we're helping the poor, let's recognize that we're poor too. That we have needs too. That we're broken too. Let's avoid us and them. <laughs> and let's talk about us, ourselves. When Carla and I moved to Prince George in 1993, you can figure that out. That was a few years back. We had Jonathan as our only child. And uh, we, we moved thousands of kilometers away from all of our family and our friends. And uh, we weren't in Prince George very long, and we celebrated our wedding anniversary. In fact, I think it was about two weeks after we got here. And a lady in the church here heard that it was our anniversary, and she gave us a gift card, a $50 gift card for... I think it was the Caribou Restaurant. If you've been around, you remember the Caribou, they had prime rib. And she said, I'm going to babysit Jonathan, and you're going to go to the Caribou. And uh, we thought, who are you, <laughs> crazy lady? <laughs> but we got to know her, and she, we didn't realize. her. Grand, she loved her grandkids, but they had moved away for work, and her, her kids and grandkids, and her family was gone. And she was feeling poor. And she was feeling like she needed someone in her life. So she reached out to us. We didn't realize that at that point. At that point, we just thought she was a crazy lady. And uh, it came to be as all of our kids were born. In fact, as our kids were born, she became a close friend. And when our kids were being born, we'd call her and she'd come to our house in the middle of the night and look after our kids at our house. And we'd go to the hospital. And it was, our kids called her grandma. And still do to this day. In fact, she sends them birthday cards on their birthdays. She lives in Calgary now. And I just was telling that story because, you know, she felt poor. <laughs> but we also felt poor. We had no grandparents. We had no parents in our lives. But here was this crazy lady <laughs> that just loved on us and loved on our kids. And we, our kids didn't grow up feeling like they missed out. Not a bit. They were blessed. And now, this lady lives in Calgary. Her parents are getting very elderly. They live in town here. And they can't look after themselves. And so she called us and said, can you help me? <laughs> so we just matched them up with someone. In fact, another lady in our church... And we told her the story, and she goes into their house every week and just loves on these people for free. <laughs> just because we don't reach down, we reach across when we help people that are in need. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes as we're finishing up the service today. I hope I didn't go over time. Oh, we're good. We're good. You know, maybe you're here today, and you say, man, I've wanted to help. I didn't know what to do. I see people in need. I didn't realize the church even gives opportunities to help. 
You know, there's thank a teacher. There's, there's the mercy cupboard. There's things that are going on to help people that are in crisis. And I want to just say, is the Lord speaking to you to say, you need to do something that way? Or maybe you know of somebody that's in need and he's asking you not reach down to reach across and just love them, be a friend. Help them out of a mindset maybe that they're trapped in. I'd like you just to make that commitment before God. Lord, I pray as we're just examining our hearts before you today. When did, when did we help you? When did we feed you? When did we give you a drink? When did we visit you? The people asked Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus said, when you, when you did it to the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And I want to just encourage you. Don't leave condemned. Leave empowered. Leave empowered to be a person that empowers the poor. And you just want to respond to God's nudging, to his spirit nudging in your life today. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've recognized your own brokenness. Maybe you feel far from God. You just feel like you need you need to be accepted by God. You're not even sure what to do. But you just know, you just have this longing in your heart that you want to make things right with the Lord. And I, I want to just I want to just open an opportunity for you to talk to him because that's what you got to do. You just come humbly. The Bible says those that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means we'll encounter him. We'll encounter his grace. We'll encounter his power. We'll encounter his deliverance in our lives. And we'll be made will be made uh, friends of God, children of God. And so if that's you, if you're here and you, and you want to respond to God like that, I'm just going to encourage you to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you that you're drawing my heart towards you. I don't even know how to explain it, God. But I know I'm desperate for you. I've been broken, God. And I want to encounter your healing. I want to encounter your wholeness, God. And so I'm just opening my heart to you and inviting you to come in to my life and forgive me and deliver me and set me free and save me, God. And so I just invite you, Jesus, to do that for me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to say congratulations to you if you're online. Make sure you click the button. And we thank you for joining with us today. God bless you.